Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. One hour to go. Kyle Bailey coming up at 2. If you missed any of today's show, like the five questions we just uh, unveiled there, WFNZ.com uh, for the full hours, bits, and interviews. And uh, somebody, uh, Ramon, had said, uh, question two was, what is your object of choice to throw onto the field or court after being ejected? Ramon said, all the bats in the dugout. I do think... One of the most important things you can do, if you're going to throw a temper tantrum, an adult-sized temper, don't throw one bat. Don't throw two bats. Throw any of the bats you can find, right? It's why one helmet doesn't make a dent. If you somehow find a way to throw 12 helmets onto the field at once, you'd have to be like an octopus. They'll have eight, eight legs, something like that. But I will tell you that if you can make it happen, the more you can throw onto the field, the more impressive it is. Uh, we also had... Uh, Martin saying a water cooler. Water cooler is good, but it's got to be, you had said something similar like the Gatorade things. It's got to be at least half full because it's got to explode. The, 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 the fluid, that doesn't sound great. The, the substance, geez, it's Monday, man. First day back from the cabin. Whatever's in it has to explode everywhere is the basic there. Well, Will Pelagic coming up in just about 20 minutes. But if you missed the beginning of the show, WFNZ.com. I kind of laid waste to Michael Jordan because every conversation you and I can have, sometimes I fall victim to, every conversation we can have with Michael Jordan falls back to who's at fault here. And I kind of can sometimes just skip to the end. To me, the Hornets' problems over the last two, two months, and I don't care if you liked or didn't like James Borrego, Everything that has happened with this organization, almost everything, since firing him has been a problem. From the decision making, from how they approached the coaching search, I don't I can't tell you definitively that any of the coaches were bad candidates. There was not one coach that I heard that the Hornets talked to that made me feel like they were either upgrading or even anything more than just a sidestep. Kenny Atkinson was the best possible hire you could have made. Oh, by the way, you made and he walked away. And he was a sidestep at best. That's problematic. But again, that stems from Michael Jordan wanted to fire James Borrego. Don't listen to what Mitch Kupchak had to say. Michael Jordan, I firmly believe, got sick of getting crap from his buddies about the play and loss and was getting edgy, getting antsy, and decided to make a change. Time will tell if they if firing Borrego was the right move based on what Borrego does in his next stop and based on what Steve Clifford now does. But it took him six weeks to find a new head coach. It took him four weeks to have a press conference about firing the old head coach, at which point Mitch Kupchak said, I'm not here to tell you why I fired the old head coach, probably because he didn't really fire the old head coach. And then another two weeks to find the head coach. A week after that, the new head coach bounces out a week and a half after that. Oh, what happens? Steve Clifford, a guy who is, and I really want to make sure, because I think sometimes if Steve was driving around in his car, listening to the show, by the way, welcome back to Charlotte, Steve, Steve, uh, Steve Clifford is very well respected in NBA circles as he should be. He's earned that respect. I will give Steve as a coach that respect. Stylistically, Steve is very much from the Van Gundy school of hard knocks and punishment 
It didn't work in New Orleans two years ago with Stan Van Gundy. Maybe, and I, this, is a, this is a big, significant maybe, maybe Steve Clifford is better at interpersonal relationships than Stan Van Gundy is. Maybe. That, that's entirely possible. It's not on the bounds of possibility Steve Clifford could adapt his leadership style, his demanding style. I also am pretty concerned that you've got a roster full of young guys and you've got a coach who I don't think is known for his development of players. Kemba got better, but look at the litany of picks that they had that didn't really go anywhere. Not named Kemba Walker. Is that Steve Clifford's fault? No idea. But he's not known for being a great talent evaluator. Or sorry, a, ta a talent develop a dev developer. And then the style of play does not match what made Charlotte successful this last year. Getting up and down the court, scoring a crap ton of points. There are huge questions as to why this was the hire. Steve Clifford can be good coaches going to bad situations, or not just bad situations, because there are a lot of pluses to this situation. Good coaches going to bad fits do not work out. And I thought it was interesting that Mitch Kupchak in the press conference immediately, or in the press conference, in the press release, it, it took four weeks for Mitch to get out in front of the media after firing Borrego. So do we think by August we'll have a Steve Clifford introductory press conference? That's my hope. We get to meet Steve Clifford right before the season tips off. Well, we get to meet him in the press, uh, the, the preseason. But in the in the press con or in the press release, Mitch Kupchak said, "Oh, we're gonna keep playing that style of ball." So Steve Clifford, sixty-one years of age, who's got a definitive way of doing things that comes from a tree, where the style of play is very much one way. He's going to completely change this late in his career. That's the most alarming part of this whole thing, right? Is that like that was in the press release? That wasn't something that Steve Clifford just you know admitted to whenever he gets introduced as the head coach. Yep. That was the GM saying, "Hey, we're hiring this coach who doesn't want to play this way, but we're going to play this way." That makes me think that this gets back to the idea. I don't think Mitch and Michael are on the same page because I think Mitch wanted to hire Atkinson, and Michael was cool with it as long as he didn't have to pay for a whole new set of assistants. So that falls apart. And I, Mitch is the king of saying literally nothing in his press releases. And he says probably something approximate to that in his press conferences. So the most definitive thing I've heard this guy say outside of, oh, I totally fired James Borrego, which nobody believes. <laughs> the most definitive thing he said is a thing that runs contrary to the history of the coach. That doesn't feel accidental. I, I just, I don't have a good feeling about where the Hornets are. And it does fall on the feet of Michael Jordan. I'm, I, you know, can I just tell you how pissed off I am that Michael Jordan is supposed to be this, all he wants to do is win. Michael Jordan crying on a 10-part documentary that turned into uh, Michael Jordan slurp fest about, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to win. And if guys didn't like the way I won. And then he's going to come out as an owner and all he's going to be is about profit and, oh, I don't, should I pay miles? Should I not pay? Yes, you should. Should I pay assistance for the coach I'm about to hire? Yes, you should. Michael, I get it. Michael is surrounded. And, and this is my estimation. I don't know. I've never been around Michael Jordan. I'm going to shock you on that one. Michael Jordan lives down in Florida. He doesn't live in town. And Michael Jordan, to me, seems like a guy who needs people. It's weird because he's the greatest basketball player of all time. 
who seems to do best with guys around him who say, yes, Michael. He's used to that. I don't think there's a lot of people pushing back on Michael Jordan. And I think it's to his detriment. Yes. Because as a business owner, and this is a really important distinction to make, Michael Jordan probably saved Hornets basketball with the business dealings and with guys like Fred Whitfield, who's a truly great member of that organization, with the way that they've become entrenched in, the, in, the, in town with stuff like the Cornucopia event. Michael Jordan, the business owner, I have no doubts about. Michael Jordan, the basketball owner, has shown himself to still be not a mid-owner, not an average owner, an awful owner on the basketball court. And that's problematic for me. Because if he just was making the, the wrong decision, that's one thing. To make the wrong decisions, to be frugal so you can continue to, to make bank while you have the best moment. Michael Jordan wins a title with LaMelo Ball in Charlotte. He'll go down, whether it's right or wrong, he'll go down as one of the greatest owners in NBA history. Instead, he's making an extra buck today to spite two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, both with his coaching hire and potentially with the Miles Bridges idea that he might not get the the Hornets might not be comfortable paying him everything he's owed. I think the most disheartening thing about what's happening right now with the Charlotte Hornets is nobody's questioning Michael Jordan's knowledge of basketball, but we've questioned his knowledge of how basketball works in the front office standpoint. And we thought Mitch was the answer to that. Was that Mitch was the guy from all his years under Jerry Buss running the Lakers organization but not getting the credit for it was going to put an end to all of the dysfunction that exists in that building. They did for about three years. I don't say they put the end to it, but at least staved off a lot of this. It really the the way this coaching search has played out, it made me wonder. I want to make sure that I say this in a right way because I don't want to sound like I'm disrespecting Mitch, because I really Mitch Kupchak is a basketball lifer and a pretty darn good scout. It One of the things said about Mitch in L.A. is that he was the do boy for Jerry Buss and for eventually Jim Buss. And that he just kind of went with the flow. How this coaching search has gone makes me wonder a lot, guys, if Mitch was just kind of following the marching orders of James Borrego. If the real power structure wasn't JB and Mitch together with a smattering of Michael, but Michael and JB with a smattering of Mitch. Because since firing James Borrego, this organization has not run like a coherent organization. It ran coherently. It might not have gone at the speed you and I wanted. Right? They didn't they didn't trade for a, a rim protector when they wanted it or when you and I wanted it. I still don't think slow playing last year was the wrong decision. It was wrong to slow play and then fire a guy who won 43 games and saying he didn't win enough. That was the, that was the where the logic failed for me. But it just doesn't seem like there's either cohesion or synergy or whatever it is tying together Michael and Mitch and the decision making and how they attack it. Steve Clifford is a good basketball coach. He seems to be a very well-respected man. I have not heard one thing. People that I know in the NBA say the best things about Steve Clifford. That's good. But I don't know it's a fit. And if it's not a fit, guys, here's the risk. There are two risks that I see. Hiring the wrong coach who doesn't fit can alienate your locker room and, and, and hurt the development of this team on and off the court. They've got a great culture right now with those young kids. This can ruin it if, if Steve doesn't fit the style 
or if he doesn't handle this right. Losing Miles could be catastrophic to this team because it's not about Miles Bridges and whether he does. I was somewhere earlier. Oh, Miles isn't a max player. That's that's generic. That's a different question. Well, no, but but that's a generic thing. What a max player is, there's probably 10 players in the NBA who are truly worth the max, mm -hmm. given their their value to teams. So that's the wrong question. It's about what is he worth to the organization? On the court, he's one of the 40 best players in the NBA. That puts him in the conversation for do you pay him max money? He's also homegrown. He's also coming off his best season teasing another ability. He made a huge jump this year scoring-wise. If he continues to shot create and do all the things that he did, and he shoots 38% from three this next year, he shot 33 last year. His averages are going to, his output's going to go up again, and he's going to be more efficient. So he's homegrown. He's one of the better players in the NBA. And here's the other thing Re paying Miles Bridges and winning with Miles and LaMelo will start to change. The only way out now for Michael is to spend money and to win games. If in a year's time you took a step back because you shortcutted this thing or you didn't pay Miles or you didn't pay the Kenny Atkinson or if Steve Steve Clifford, they win 35 games, you do that a year from now, you will be the laughing stock of the NBA again. I dare say the last two months and put them right back there. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Uh, honest. That, okay, well, that's the only kind of question I answer. We've got two years. Does LaMelo Ball sign the rookie max? Yes. See I don't think there's anything that's going to stop him there, but to me... The difference is not, is there anything the Hornets can do to stop LaMelo from re-signing here? The question is, is there anything they can do once he signs the contract that's going to make him say, I'm not going to waste from year 25 on? Or is it, it it's it's the old Paul Pierce. When Paul Pierce re-signed in Oklahoma City, and we all, all small markets, me included, oh, small markets get a win. A year later, he demanded a trade and was traded to L.A. Now, that, that trade worked out because of what uh, L.A. was able to get to him. They didn't get Paul George back for him. And it says that that was the end of, of the Thunder truly being a contender in the Western Conference. It's not about will LaMelo not sign here. It's can we keep LaMelo for six years or can, can, can we keep LaMelo for 10 years? I want 10 years. So I, do I, I want 10 years and I want rings. And stupid crap like how they've operated this whole op offseason, that's not going to make that happen. That endangers that. I just feel like we we enter this 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 year this offseason saying don't make it harder on yourself to 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 keep this young superstar here when every big market come after him and it's like they've done everything to make it harder for him to look at the organization top to bottom and on the court and say I want to re up because uh, he doesn't need the money he's got money if he wants to win logic would say he doesn't he doesn't resign here I just I I can't imagine I really can't imagine Michael Jordan not caring about his legacy as an owner. A guy who literally, after LeBron James won another title, a guy who literally forced a narrative on the last dance about how it did, turns into a, a giant MJ slurp fest. A guy who cares that much about his player legacy cares this little about his ownership legacy. It bugs me. It really, truly bugs me. Will Pelagic, Charlotte uh, FC play-by-play -play man, he'll join us next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Coming up in about 20 minutes, we've got the uh, Nick Pick. Uh, eight, uh, I almost called you HTV. Itty Pitty. Good God. Uh, 
how did Willie do on the Nick picks last week? He started three and zero, and I think he finished three and two. I'm that you know what above five hundred. All right, that's a, that, he was the. Uh, 2022 Charlotte Hornets, and that should be good enough, damn it, on the Mark Spain Real Estate Nick pick. The best part was the first one he got wrong, he made a pick sorely off of, and he tried to make a really bad Seinfeld joke, mm. and it just bit him in the ass. Did you just say Seinfeld? No, Seinfeld. Okay, because it sounded like you said Seinfeld, but that's neither here nor there. So, the Mark Spain Real Estate Nick pick, and what you're burning on coming up in about 20 minutes. In the meantime, our next guest was so gracious to to fill in last week, allow me to go to the cabin, recharge the batteries. You know his uh, his just energetic, loving call of Charlotte FC as the play-by-play voice of, of Charlotte FC. You also know him as a host here on WFNZ as well, the great Willie P, Will Pelagic, on the guest line. What's up, buddy? My picks are about as good enough as a 43-win basketball coach. Uh, and, and ironically, uh, you went back to your other job, right? You didn't get fired, though. Let's <laughs> let's say that. Uh, Michael Jordan couldn't touch you there. So let's get to this last match. It was a loss uh, this weekend. Ultimately, what went wrong uh, on the second goal allowed by FC early in the second half? Unfortunately, Nick, it was kind of the same thing we've seen a lot of times from Charlotte FC, and that's a lack of focus. Uh, Montreal brought on two subs at halftime, and they brought on an energetic midfielder in Matthew Chanier, and for whatever reason, he got lost in coverage by a couple of players, and as a result, he got a lot of free open space and got a shot that beat George Marks, and really that was the biggest chance of either side during the second half, aside from Carol Svidersky's point-blank miss late in the contest, uh, Charlotte FC really had no forward movement in the second half. They played a very spirited 45 minutes leading up to that, but for whatever reason, they came out at halftime completely flat, and uh, they got burned by a couple of second-half subs by the home team. So what did you make? You you mentioned uh, you know being a little shorthanded there. What did you make of the effort and game plan for Saturday with the club down 10 players? I'll say this, the guys who came in and replaced who had really no experience whatsoever performed admirably. George Marks, again, he still has had a problem with, with leakage. He's, he's not the shot stopper that Christian Kalina is, although I don't think either of the shots that uh, he gave up for goals were ones that he could stop. It was more defensive positioning than anything, but, but he performed admirably. Coa Santos, who I believe we're going to talk to on Crown Corner this week, was everywhere playing in his first MLS match. They were playing him as a right attacking midfielder, but he was playing as a, as a striker. He was playing as a winger. He was a back and helping uh, on defensive coverage. He was really, really strong for Charlotte FC. And Quinn McNeil, who made his MLS debut, also showed some very uh, adequate competence, too, in the midfield as well. Uh, the problems for Charlotte FC were with their regular stalwarts. Svidersky, uh, Jordi Alcivar did not have a good game as well. He was Really, their only attacking midfielder that they had who was a uh, regular of any consequence. It was good to see Christian Fuchs get back on the pitch. Same thing for Harrison Offal. Both of them had been uh, dealing with some injuries. Fuchs, a longer-term injury. Offal picked up a knock after the last contest. But I do feel like it, it was a side that at times struggled with cohesion because a lot of these guys hadn't played with each other. But I don't think they were hurt by the guys who had to come in who didn't normally see time. It was more uh, trying to figure out how you can get the most out of the guys who were coming back. And, and obviously, uh, a lot of those losses, I mean, that 10-11 guys who were down, uh, too much to overcome against a very quality Montreal side. 
Will Pelagic, Charlotte, play-by-play man, Charlotte FC, play-by-play man, WFNZ uh, personalities well on the guest line. He's also the host of uh, the Crown Corner, which you heard him talk about there, which is Willie P. Uh, every Wednesday, correct, sir? Wednesday, 6 p.m. on WFNZ's Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. I, uh, I'm i going to make sure that gets on air, too. I want that. That's how good the Crown Corner is. You mentioned Swiderski. He hasn't netted a goal in 11 contests. You mentioned the wide open miss in the loss this last weekend. What is the main reason behind his scoring drought? Well, it's it's two-pronged. I do feel like Swiderski is somebody who who needs good service. He is technically sound on the ball, but he does need better service, and, and that had been coming for Charlotte FC. In recent weeks, it's just the fact of the matter is he had been away from the club when they started getting that wing position very much fortified. Even Andre Shinyashiki talked about this. You know, he's still dealing with chemistry issues, trying to figure out who he's getting the ball to and how the guys like the ball. So it is something where I believe it will still take a little bit of time getting to know all those players who are, are passing the ball into him. But I think he's dealing with a significant confidence issue, at least from the Charlotte FC standpoint. He did score over the international break for Poland, so it's not as if his game overall is not in form, but for whatever reason, he hasn't put it together in his time with Charlotte FC. And I do feel like, you know, there might be a little internal frustration in him because I do feel like he's been going to ground a lot easier than I think he should when it comes to certain plays. And I don't think he's necessarily getting the benefit of the doubt from the officiating crews as a result of that. So he's very much inside his own head. Uh, He hasn't scored, like you said, since that uh, pair of doubles against FC Cincinnati and New England. Uh, I just think he needs one to go in the back of the net to try and get him back on track. I I, I just don't know how it's going to come for him because, like, like you said, it's something that's incredibly frustrating for a player who we expected a lot from. You mentioned Carol Swiderski needing good service. Do you need good service? Always. You always need good service. I've been I've been a fan. I've been saying Will Pelagic is pretty elite, but everybody needs good service. You can't you can't almost said something that could have gotten us thrown off air. We're gonna move on. Willie, uh the Steve Clifford hire it came down what it came down Friday after you were on air there. What do you make of this hire by the Charlotte Hornets? Um I, I think it's a, a hire that you go to and you say, Okay, who who is somebody who we know can take this job and will take this job. And I think that's the kind of hire that they made. Uh, I understand, you know, the type that they're going after. They're going after somebody who wants to be defensive because it was the one area that this team did not have. I had my reservations if they hired Mike D'Antoni because I think they'd be telling on themselves by saying they just didn't like the personality or something about James Borrego because they hired somebody who was philosophically the same. The only problem I have with Steve Clifford is it's somebody you've tried before. And I feel like if you hired somebody with Steve Clifford's characteristics, then maybe it wouldn't come off as uh, as hollow as this one does. The fact that they already had experience with this particular coach, and, and with all due respect to him, he is somebody who has a very great pedigree and is very well talked about in the league, but it's hard not to look at this as being somewhat dissatisfying to Hornets fans. And I really haven't met anyone who, and I've talked about it a lot. I was literally, my realtor came up to me. He was checking in on our house and uh, he said, Steve Clifford, really? And I think that personifies a lot of the opinion of Hornets fans right now. 
Will Pelagic, WFNZ in Charlotte FC, play-by-play uh, -play man. And again, Crown Corner on uh, WFNZ social medias every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Again, I want to make sure to catch that. All right, we end every interview the same way, uh, it, provided it's after our five questions. Are you ready to answer today's five questions, Willie P? Let's make it happen. Number five, most successful sports marriage. Most successful sports marriage. Hmm. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, Chris Everett and Greg Norman. I like that. Number four, uh, what are you binge watching right now? I'm watching the uh, How I Met Your Father, actually, the uh, the Hillary Duff spoof of the How I Met Your Mother series. Uh, it, it started out very bad, and we were watching it just kind of to hate watch it, but actually it, it's, it started to turn in the right direction. Are, did they give that a, another season, by the way? I, I, can, I didn't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We're still on the first one. Number it's on Hulu, by the way. Number three, worst hair decision you've ever made? Uh, when I went in the barber shop and told them to give me the Robin Thick, uh, that was very bad. I think I tweeted about it a couple of months ago. It was uh, basically standing up straight and it had a little bit of a point to it. So yeah, that was that was the worst. That was the absolute worst. Didn't you have frosted tips or blonde hair at one point? I don't know why that came to mind. Not, not, not I. There was somebody who tried to make that a thing on Twitter as a uh, as like a meme to try and get me to do that because everybody on Charlotte FC was doing that. But uh, but no, I I've not done anything dye wise with my hair ever yet. So yeah, you know, the bad part about that is. I started the push for Bleach Blonde Willie P. Chris Rash created the meme, and then I forgot about it until you mentioned it. Things are going well for me. Right. Uh, all right, number two. What is your object of choice to throw into the fielder court after you get ejected? Uh, cooler. A cooler. That feels like a good, strong Willie P. Uh, throw there. All right, number one. Best coaching hire in Charlotte sports history. You can't say Miguel Angel Ramirez. Well, I don't, know, I don't know if I would say that. Um, best Charlotte sports coach hire. Can't say Latanzio either. Ron, I'd say Ron Rivera. Yeah. Say Ron Rivera. I, th I think Ron's probably the best Panthers. Uh, the, the Hornets' best hire actually is a lot tougher than you realize. Willie, you're the best, buddy. Everybody follow Willie on Twitter, at Willie P. Stow. We appreciate you, buddy, and thank you again. You killed it last week. You worked so hard. We appreciate you here, my guy. Thank you for uh, not choosing violence during this radio spot. Appreciate you. I do what I can. I felt like I started to, and then I stopped. Uh, Willie P. there on uh, the guest line. If you guys haven't answered the five questions yet, uh, again, most successful sports marriage, what are you binge watching right now, worst hair decision you've ever made, and what is your object of choice to throw into the field court after an ejection and best coaching hire in Charlotte sports history? I wanted to answer, I'm as you guys know, I'm still very much uh, a slappy for soccer. Uh, I'm still learning the ways. Lloyd, Sam, Willie, P, Jessica Charman, um, they're helping us. They're helping me know more about soccer. Just a word on Carol Swiderski. You can't get a coach fired and then miss an open goal two matches afterwards. I'm okay with, what is it, the 11-match uh the 11-match goalless streak, uh, that that happens. Players get hot or cold. He's your best hope to be your most significant uh, goal scorer on the roster, even with Shin Yashik, even with the other guys. But, like, you can't get a coach fired and then continue to deuce the bet on air. Carol Swiderski, if you believe the reports, 
basically said he wasn't coming back after international break if Miguel Angel Ramirez was still the coach. Okay, well, now you've got a new head coach, and you're still not finding the goal. And more importantly, all things we can say about good service and getting good service, you had a point-blank, wide-open look at a goal, and you missed it. And your team lost by one point. If you ended up getting, if that team comes out of this last game with a draw, given how shorthanded they were, down 10 players, and Swiderski hits the game-winning goal, the previous 10-game scoreless streak would have been forgotten. You can't get a coach fired and continue to be really iffy in your production. Also, Panther Bo saying uh, Chris Everett and Greg Norman divorced after 18 months. Yeah, I, I'm just not down with Greg Norman. What I will say is I don't think divorce means you didn't have a successful marriage. Just ended. I still think you can. I still think marriages that ended in divorce uh, can be successful or could have had success. All right, guys. Final segment of the show next on Sports Radio FNC. <laughs> Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ, final segment of today's show. KB coming up next. Make sure to stick through with uh, Kyle Bailey. We'll see if we get any sort of uh, announcement on when we're going to meet Steve Clifford again. Uh, we got a lot coming in from the sports world. We'll get to here in a second. want to say thank you to our guest today. Will Pelagic, we just had on. Also, Carlin Gay of NBA.com and the Sporting News and... Uh, the newly engaged Nick Carboni, uh, WCNC sports director. Uh, all our hours going to be up WFNC.com. Hours, bits, interviews, all the shenanigans. Uh, the five questions, that's up WFNC.com. You can also answer them on social media at Nick Wilson says. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the Nick Wilson Show podcast, wherever you get your podcast. But a couple things have happened during today's show. One, uh, Tony Busby, the lawyer representing Deshaun Watson accusers on behalf of one of the accusers has filed a lawsuit, a civil lawsuit against the Houston Texans saying that uh, they aided him and covered up Deshaun Watson's pattern of behavior. So that's been the other, the other big thing though, was that, uh, from, from now multiple reports saying Kyrie Irving has been, has asked for and been given his, uh, the ability to search for a sign-and-trade, signaling what likely will be the end of his time in Brooklyn. And I think it's a hell of a lot easier. If I'm, One, if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm not staying in Brooklyn if Kyrie's going. There, You're not going to get commensurate value for Kyrie Irving and his skill. There's the injury history. There's the fact the dude's an ass clown. Um, I say that respectfully. Respectfully, he's an ass clown. And oh, by the way, he's an undersized point guard that defensively isn't what you want him to be. I Like, whatever Cleveland got for Kyrie four years ago, you're not getting that. And that was two good role players, a couple young players who didn't amount to anything, and a potential lottery pick. I don't think you're getting that. You're either going to get a significant downgrade of a superstar, or you got to take on a bad contract and get a bunch of future picks. But I think it's interesting. The Kevin Durant and what could Kevin Durant cost, I think is really interesting. And The Athletic actually looked at this. Alex Schiffer, who we've had on this show. Uh, and as a matter of fact, anybody Fee, put that name into the text thread so we can ask about Alex Schiffer. All right, so we can ask Alex Schiffer about this, this ordeal. Uh, but he, Sam Amick, and Joe Varden of The Athletic all looked at 
what the uh, the price for Kevin Durant might be. This quote is why I love the NBA. This is an anom anonymous source to the Athletics, Alex Schiffer, on the parameters of a potential Kevin Durant trade. Look up the Anthony Davis trade to the Lakers and start there. Now, Anthony Davis was like 27, was the absolute all hope, encompassing hope of the New Orleans Pelicans. And although he had an injury history, uh, he was like six or seven years younger than Kevin Durant is. If you trade the house, and I mean everything you got, for soon-to-be 34-year-old Kevin Durant, two years removed from the Achilles, you deserve whatever bad fortune falls your way. A smart team, if, if a smart team makes a smart trade for Kevin Durant, it might win him an NBA championship or more. But there are a lot of dumb, desperate teams in the NBA. Looking at you, Charlotte. They're just kidding. Just kidding. There are a lot of dumb and desperate teams in the NBA who could do something really stupid on this. I don't know anybody's going to be dumb enough to give up the house for Kyrie Irving. I Listen, I think if Kyrie is out, I think if you're Brooklyn, I think you welcome the ability to 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 bring it on back. The problem is you own or you owe a lot of your future picks because of the James Harden deal, which continues to haunt that organization. So we'll figure out uh, where that's going this week. Of course, we'll, we'll, we got Ellis Williams tomorrow because we're going to talk some Panthers and some offseason stuff. We got a lot to come on this week's show, but we cannot round out the show with what you're burning on coming up in just about carry the two, uh, two minutes. Give us a call, 704-570-9610. We'll give you 30 to 60 seconds for you to let us know what you're burning about. We're actually going to go to the Mark Spain Real Estate Nick Pick, and I'm going to start with a win. I'm not. I, I am very confident in this. I'm looking at Bovada. Uh, baseball's a bit of a bugaboo. First pitch, 707. Red Sox and Blue Jays tonight. Uh, Gosman's on the hill for for Toronto. I can't believe though that the Boston Red Sox, who are one of the hottest teams in baseball, are plus 148 with a seven game winning streak. Plus 148 tonight against Toronto. I can't figure this one out. They do have Connor Seabold, who is a rookie on the bump. I'm going to go ahead and take the Red Sox on the road to get their eighth straight win, and I'm going to take the, the plus 148. Find out tomorrow, 140, whether I got it right or wrong. In the meantime, let's get to what you're burning on. You can give us a call, 704-570-9610. We'll give you 30 to 60 seconds for you to let us know what you're burning on. Itty Bitty Fitty, what you burning on, friend? Speaking of baseball, so I re-fell in love with baseball back during the pandemic because it was the first sport to come back. Uh-huh. And we've we've all expressed how bad baseball is at you know marketing its its players and its its game. Mm -hmm. So this year they they get creative with the Apple TV broadcast. Sunday morning they have the the broadcast on Peacock. Have you watched any of those broadcasts by chance? No, because I don't have Apple uh, Apple TV or Peacock. Don't, because they're terrible. Yeah. I, I don't understand why we're going to have these special broadcasts highlighting usually you know oh, you know an Otani, Mike Trout, whoever, but have these broadcasters who don't talk about the game that's going on and the players involved in playing the damn game. It's terrible. I, I think what they need to do is I think they start I think they need to turn the baseball broadcast into basically a sports talk show. 
which means more interviews with the players, more access to players, more of a conversational style instead of a uh, dictatorial style where they're kind of just telling you. Uh, I think they need to turn. I think they need to completely revamp baseball broadcast. The NFL has changed a lot over the last mm-hmm. twenty years, but it, the the bare bones are still the same. I think one. I think there should be one guy. I don't think. I think you should have roving color analysts. I. I just. I don't. Th- I think you need to completely rethink how you do the broadcast booth. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Get us in. It is time for what you're burning on. I'm. I'm burning on uh, gratitude today. I know I opened up a can of whoop-ass on some people today, namely Michael Jordan and the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, This last week was really great. It was great to be away, great to be with my cabin guys. I think I've talked a lot about, you know, the the origins. This was our eighth year as a cabin. Uh, This year was different. In previous years, it was a giant party this year. We were a lot more introspective because we said goodbye to my friend uh, Jason the the first Monday of the cabin. We we, uh, spread his ashes with his family. And... uh, even though that was tough and even though the week was a little bit more somber than we're used to, there's just something about taking some time, relaxing with people you really love and really admire and really respect, which my boys, Dan, Jeremy, and Hacksaw are all people I love and respect. Probably should respect Hacksaw a little bit more, but it was a great week. And then I come home and I've got a beautiful wife and three beautiful daughters. I had them before the cabin, but I really appreciated seeing them yesterday. And then I get to wake up and come talk about sports with you guys. Sometimes you just, if you stop for long enough and realize how good things are, you get a chance to say how lucky you really are. And that I just feel today. First show back on the air after seven days at the cabin. Maybe it's because I'm back on the diet and I'm starting to feel like my old self again, but I just feel a sea of gratitude for the many blessings that I have in my life. Itty bitty fitty. Final one here, buddy. What was your favorite of the five questions today? Ooh, my favorite question was what would you throw in a sports bra? Yeah, the worst hair decision you've ever made as well. I don't think enough people are willing to tell on themselves. I really wanted to hear, come on, I know some of y'all had mullets. Ladies, I know some of y'all had perms. I know some of you have done uh, a bad mohawk. Some Like Chad Harris has a picture of a badass mohawk he's had, but some of us have had bad mohawks. Let's just own that. Was he a grown man when he had a mohawk? Uh, the one that I saw was when he was in like high school or just out of high school, like 1989, 1990-ish. So... Because because no. that might that might make its way into Charminger Chach tomorrow at eleven forty. I'm going to tell you, you better look at that mohawk before you call Charminger Chach. It's a badass <laughs> mohawk. Uh, it's up WFNZ. Go ahead and answer. Uh, at Nick Wilson says at WFNZ. Uh, some fun on the five questions today. But tomorrow, big Nick Wilson show. Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer is going to join us at eleven twenty. We're also going to continue. To talk to guests about the Hornets head coaching hire, whatever the latest situation is, tomorrow begins the Deshaun Watson thing, of course. Whatever that suspension is might end up unlocking or locking up Baker Mayfield in a new situation. So plenty to get to. Itty bitty fitty. Good stuff today, buddy. It's glad to have you back. Oh, look at that. Uh, One more time. Big thanks to Willie P. He had to do so much last week and uh, him allowing me to go on vacation 
always means the world, and I think he's done a fantastic job for us, and I appreciate that. So, uh, if you missed any of today's show, WFNZ.com. For the full hours, interviews, bits, don't forget to rate and subscribe to the Nick Wilson Show podcast everywhere you get your podcast until tomorrow at 10 a.m. Nick Wilson for Itty Bitty Fitty saying stay safe and be good, Charlotte. Lord, I love you, Carolina. Hasta la vista, baby. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. See Charmed, I'm sure. I'm really the end of it, and that's all, folks. Okay, bye.